Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. All right. Okay, here we go. Welcome to Purpose Driven Sobriety. My name is Christine and I'm an alcoholic. Um, today, I want to just kind of start out by thanking a, a personal friend of mine and a, and a friend of sobriety, um, Shanna Cummings, who sponsored this episode. Thank you so much, Shanna, for all you do. I'm, I'm grateful um, for your support. So today, we have Mr. Ed Biddig. Did I pronounce that right, Ed? You did very I well. Did. That's I, a- I did good. Well, he yeah, you're on the show today, and let me let me just tell you, um, you caught my eye, sir. Um, I, I was on uh on a recovery page, and and I'm I'm in several different groups, which I'm sure as you are, and um and I caught a photograph of you, and you had on a T-shirt that said, and I I did I don't recall the exact number, but it was like seventeen thousand something something days sober. And I yes. thought, I thought that is my guy right there because <laughs> I too wear, um, I wear my sobriety literally. Um, you know, I am, um, I'm, I'm a little out there most of the time. I think my husband uh, affectionately calls me extra, um, which <laughs> I think is a compliment, but I'm not sure. Um, but, but I have all types of, you know, um, Rock bottom is the solid foundation I, you know, I built my my life on, and and just different types of recovery shirts. And so I loved how open you were. And so when I did the math, that uh, those days added up to forty nine years. <laughs> that's a minute. I know when you hear someone else say that, that's a minute, isn't it? My goodness, it it, it is a uh, it is so out there, uh, and. Uh, I read a post yesterday that someone was sober for their first Easter. Oh my and, gosh! And I have been sober for forty nine of them. Wow! Uh, and uh, and at moments, uh, it is hard to believe. And it's uh, but it does that, it does it and and at times it feels like it was just yesterday, huh? It, I can't even believe that these days have ticked by, which is of course today's seventeen thousand nine hundred and fifty two days. Oh my uh, goodness! So we're getting uh, we're getting used to or five hundred and eighty nine months. There you uh, go. So it's, <laughs> However it's you a, want to count it. <laughs> it's a it's a minor it's a minor thing, uh, but it, it's it is such an enjoyable life. What a blessing, uh, huh? Uh, to go uh, to go out uh, yesterday for a brunch first with my son, his wife, uh, uh, my granddaughter, my wife, and. And my ex-wife was there also. So oh, that's it was, beautiful. That's it was, beautiful. It was quite a, uh, it was As quite it a luncheon. And then I spent the afternoon with my sisters, uh, my uh, nephews uh, and their children and uh, and have that opportunity 
to be somewhere where people wanted you. Right. Uh, and rather than not want you there. Right. Uh, and, uh, and for them, uh, and I'm always, without a doubt, I'm always, uh, they're always aware of who I am, uh, especially with the amount of things that I do post because, uh, I have a t-shirt on today that I speak loudly so that people don't have to die quietly. Oh, wow. Oh, that and, just gave me chills, Ed. I love and, uh, that one. And to me, uh, and I think that's, uh, I was given this. I was given this gift. Uh, and it's not for me just to hold on to. I, I could have, with 49 years, I could sit in my living room or in a recliner that I'm in, in now, I could I could live here. I've been retired 27 years. Mm. I could live in this recliner and say, uh, I've done what I have to do. I'm sober. Uh, and But that's not it. Uh, my, my answer is, I want anyone to know, I don't care where I am, if I'm in a mall, uh, if I'm in a store or I'm at a grocery store, uh, I want people to know that this guy that's 75 has spent Two thirds of his life sober. Wow! And uh, and I uh, I wear a slate around my around my neck along with my cross, and the slate has uh, the date of uh, my uh, sobriety on it. Oh yeah. Uh, okay. And, uh, I, I make these uh, for people in recovery I because that the date is so very important that uh, I want to make sure that. They understand when you put that on and and you walk to that mirror and see it, it might be that one day that, that you're having a struggle. Right. And 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 we certainly all know that uh, whether you're an alcoholic or not, we have bad days. Oh, yeah. don't <laughs> and, we, though? Mm-hmm. And uh, because you're in recovery, uh, we don't erase that. We still have bad days. Right. Uh, uh, tomorrow morning, my car may not start. Not because I'm an alcoholic in recovery. It just, <laughs> my car will Life start. does life. That's right. That's exactly and right. I, and sometimes we lose sight of that. And and we have to be careful of that. That uh, that we understand life still goes on. Uh, there's still people around us that uh, I don't know where some of it comes from. Some of them, I think, would like us to join them. Mm-hmm. and And not be on this road that we're on. And, uh, but I have found so much comfort on the road that we're on and especially from the people. Uh, and to me, uh, even with, uh, I try to make sure that people understand all those days in the 49 years only mean that it's possible. It doesn't mean, uh, that, uh, Ed is a miracle man. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, it means that today I am sober. Right. So tell me, uh, tell me what you were like before this seven, what, 17,900, how many is today? 7,952 days. Today. So how were you 17,951 days ago? Well, uh, on uh, the day before that, at 17,953 days ago, uh, I had uh, handcuffs on oh. uh, in front of a judge. Oh, dear. Uh, and uh, it wasn't a good day. Uh, so, uh, but, uh, I had just been, uh, arrested, uh, for drunk driving in a town that was not anywhere near the location I was supposed to be in. I didn't live there in that town. Oh. Uh, and I had come from, uh, 
one of those uh, a union meeting where I thought drinking was pretty important at the union meeting. So uh, I drank pretty much. And uh, when they tested me, I was at point two old. And uh, and when the policeman had talked to me on the highway, he said, uh, do you know why I stopped you? And I said, no. He said, uh, so I figured, I, as even as drunk as I was, I said, well, uh, was I weaving? And oh. he said, uh, he said, you were weaving. He says, you came right at my police car and your head never turned. And he said, I knew that we had a major issue. So I followed you for two miles with lights and siren going oh, and dear. you didn't notice. Uh -oh. And he said, I was concerned that you were going to go to a city shortly and hit vehicles. And he says, for some reason, you stopped. And uh, and uh, on that evening, he very well probably have saved my life because previous to that, I'd had five car crashes. It was the 1970s. The policeman, and at the moment when it happened, uh, and people can look at it the way they want, when the policeman took me home from those car crashes uh, without any consequence, mm -hmm. I was never... Uh, never arrested, and here I had totaled five brand new Impalas. Uh, my insurance rates were more than the car payments, and uh, but at the state of New York had a thing where uh, you had to be able to get insurance uh, if you could pay for it. Right. Uh, so uh, uh, we did that, and all the while thinking, "Oh my goodness, these policemen really were friends of mine," uh, <laughs> not realizing that uh, they opened a door that I could have killed someone else. Uh, or myself. But back then, uh, that was that was the norm. That was, you know, it's not. It was of who, course, it was who we were. Yeah. Everyone, everyone did it. And, right. And actually, if if you were to talk to people, that was more it than the factor of saying I'm not going to drink. Mm -hmm. uh, because mm -hmm. then you look like you had two heads and a or whatever, uh, <laughs> and, and you certainly weren't invited to parties. So, uh, but uh, when I was uh, arrested and went before a judge. Uh, and uh, I did this whole thing going back before a judge. Uh, like a week later, I had to appear in court. I brought my son with me, who I'd, I could have I could have killed his son in one of my car crashes. He was three years old. Mm. Uh, I was clean shaven. Uh, and the judge said, oh, you look like a wonderful father right now. And he said, uh, and it's really hard to tell um, how bad you were. Uh, he says, uh, by how you look right now, because now you're a proud parent. And, uh, but he said, uh, I looked at your driving record, which threw me off because I didn't realize motor vehicle had a copy of every accident, even though it wasn't a chargeable accident. So motor vehicle said I had five car crashes at two in the morning. Mm. And, and the judge said, you have an issue and your issue is, uh, you're probably an alcoholic. So were you? You and were. You were. Were you married at the time? I was married at the time. Had had one I, one child. I had one child. I had uh, also recently lost a child at mm. birth, the second child, and uh, and we re raised the first child, and uh, and here uh, when I I look at what was going on at that point, uh, I had never driven until I. Uh, Applied for a job at a phone company. I uh, went to a phone company and someone said, oh, you, I'll get you a job in the phone company. So no one realized I didn't have a license 
when I was younger, I didn't care about driving. I cared about drinking. So in order to get a license, uh, I called a friend of mine. He took me out for a driver's test. I got a license. Uh, and I knew about my drinking. I knew that the conditions I was in most of the time, I couldn't drive a car. So I took every friend I had and I would be out drinking. I'd call a friend of mine to pick me up. And you wear that out. Do you come you from Do you come from a family of of drinkers? Of yes. Do, uh, do, does, came, do uh, the roots run deep with this ism? It sure did. Uh, I uh, there was so much access to alcohol in my home at 13 years old. I started taking beer out of a rear case of Smith's beer, and uh, my father would have beer delivered to the house and. I would open the rear of the case. Now, I must have thought I was a magician, uh, taking <laughs> beer out of the case so that no one knew it was missing. Uh, half the case is gone. Uh, and at 13, I'm doing this. Uh, and to the point that we even had hard cider in the basement in a barrel. It was not, you couldn't even hardly swallow it. I had to mix it with orange juice to swallow it. Oh, wow. And, uh, and this stuff, uh, and it should have been a point there that you might have an issue with where you're headed but uh and local stores were different at the time uh between cigarettes and alcohol i had no problem getting either and uh one local store had three quarts of uh beer for a dollar now what you were getting for a dollar was not <laughs> was not probably something you should be swallowing oh my. But, uh, and uh and at that time we had a a deposit law at that time before it went away and then came back again. Uh, we would pick up bottles on the way to the store mm -hmm. and get, and then Credit by for how many bottles we found would be uh, how much beer we could buy. And, uh, and of course uh, that's, uh, that became the thing that I, I lived on. I didn't go out for sports. I didn't do anything else between uh, drinking and smoking. And I was without a doubt going to prove to my family on how to drink because I realized that they didn't know how to do it. Uh, so, they were uh, bad at it, huh? <laughs> I, boy, I, I, I showed them. It was, uh, uh, it was the, the trip uh, was unbelievable. And, uh, and once, uh, once the thing started happening, especially the car, the car crashes all happened like within six month period. Oh, wow. And, uh, and it was, uh, it was so hard to believe. I would have one car. By the time I got one car, uh, either fixed or a new car, uh, and I'd have to call the insurance agent and say, uh, "We have another car to look at." And uh, and it became a point that I would call the insurance. I told him that I had totaled a car, and he told me, "I'm the agent." I said, uh, "It's my fifth car. Uh, it's in the trees, off the road." I says, "I believe it's totaled." Yeah, and it was, uh, but uh, I also, I, I drove into a building one evening, uh, a brand new car. I drove it into a building, which was a bar. Uh, I drove it into the building. I left the car, and because I had hit my nose on the steering wheel, the police came to the scene looking for a body that wasn't there. And uh, I was at a corner store. I had a dime left in my pocket from uh, my paycheck. I'd spent my entire paycheck. I was, uh, so I found a dime and I was calling the police to let them know uh, that I had crashed. And they said, uh, 
they were looking for my body under this car because it was a convertible. The motor was in the seat with me. Oh my and, uh, goodness. And uh, I had, uh, of all things, I had, by hitting my nose, uh, there was so much blood in the car, they thought that I was probably dead somewhere. And uh, so when they did uh, show up and, and I'm at this local store, they came and uh, got me and, uh, and they said, uh, and they wanted me to go to a hospital over the fact of the issue, the way I looked. And, uh, and of all things, uh, this car was so new, I did not have a registration for it. Oh, wow. So uh, it was at home and, uh, and the police were going to charge me with a stolen vehicle. And it was my car. And uh, the only thing, I didn't have the paperwork. And my, my ex-wife decided, she was going to decide to have a joke of the fact that she wasn't going to bring the registration. Oh, she was no. Gonna... She was going <laughs> to so, show you, huh? And, uh, well, here, uh, she, at this point, she's probably saying, uh, I've had enough of these car crashes. And, uh, and it was just so many of those. I hit two parked cars on a street one time with a, another car. I hit two parked cars. I went home and parked my car in front of my house on the street where the police, when they drove by, saw my car. It was, and the car was wrecked. And, uh, and they came and uh, took me to the police station. They asked me if I would report it to my insurance company. And I said, yes, I would. And they, uh, and they released me. The, the owners of these cars were livid. They, uh, they, un they didn't understand how you would ever let a person out that had just done this to people's cars. And, uh, but those were the number of things that all these things just continued to add up. Mm. Uh, and, uh, but so, you helped, uh, were you holding a job? I was holding a job. Uh, and I don't even, uh, there's moments that I'd had to wonder because I had, I'd gotten that job at a phone company, uh, because prior to that I had had, uh, probably 27 jobs. Mm. Uh, and then this job at the phone company, which turned out to be a, a job I retired from. Uh, but being there, uh, you had like a six month period that if you, if you shined for six months, uh, you had to be a thief or something else or a criminal uh, in order to be fired. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and you were just like permanent. Wow. <laughs> so, and, uh, and, at moments, I was downtown in the, uh, at a hotel, uh, recovering from a drunk, and not even able to walk up a hill where I worked. Uh, and here, and here I am. Uh, I was paid for an absence. I was downtown drunk, and uh, and it was just it got to be almost too easy with everything you went to do. But uh, that judge I met uh, gave me an offer. He said. Uh, you have a problem that I don't know what to do with. And he said, I recently went to a program we have at a local hospital. He says, uh, and it was called a spark unit. It was called, it was the St. Peter's hospital recovery unit. And he said, uh, I don't know about that. He said, it's a program that you go there. Uh, it's an outpatient program. And, uh, you can pick that program or you can pick jail whichever whichever you would like so i said well i i could make eight weeks uh at a program because i knew i couldn't drink during the program so because as a catholic i knew that i could get away with the fact i i used to not drink during lent so i figured i eight weeks is going to be a little longer but i could probably make it to the end of it and uh so i i had this bright idea of doing this and and the program 
I went to it. I was making it through the program. Everything seemed fine. And, uh, but then uh, when we came to the end of it, uh, I met with a counselor at the last day of this session, and it wasn't my counselor. This counselor that came was someone that had been through recovery, and she knew every line that we like to tell people about who we are oh. and what we can do, cannot do. And uh, so she uh, she asked me what my plan was uh, as I was going to leave that day. So she said, saw you. <laughs> she ha- she happened to she know that saw she you. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's a tune that, that I had that she uh, she already knew it. Yep. And, uh, and she she gave me a uh, <clears throat> she probably gave me uh, information on that day that was so unbelievable that I couldn't uh, I couldn't even comprehend it at first because she said. Uh, well, what is your plan? I said, uh, around the corner from this hospital, down the street, there's a bar that I've been looking at for eight weeks. And she said, yeah. And I says, I'm going there for five drinks. Uh, she got up out of her desk and hit me in the head with a three-inch book and said, you may very well be the stupidest person that's ever been here. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> she didn't said, mince words, did she? <laughs> no, no. And I said, well, thanks for sharing. And I, <laughs> she said, where on earth did you come up with five drinks? I said, it used to be 10. I said, now I'm going to do it with five. And, and this is the brightest idea in the world to come up with. So she said, uh, I can share something with you before you leave here today that that may help you. And she said, if if what you want to do, she said, if you want to stop drinking, your problem's not five and it's not ten. She says, Ed, your problem is one. Oh wow. She says, I I can promise you today, as you leave here, uh, if you don't have one, this problem's over. And fine at that moment i thought the woman was nuts i'm saying oh okay this is gonna this is gonna be fine but it was so very hard to believe uh that what that woman shared with me that day and it only turned around to the fact that uh she wasn't even my counselor uh and by the fluke of whatever happened on that given day i left there with that information uh and all the days that have ticked by. So hang on, hang on. Let's back up. Where'd you go when you left that door? I did not go to that bar. You went home? Did you go home? I went home. Wow. And, uh, and I said, and of course, at this point, I already have eight weeks into this. So I knew I had to go somewhere a little farther. There was a, there was a person up there that was teaching a, a drunk driving program at that hospital. And he was also in recovery. So he said to me, uh, Ed, if you would like to do yourself a favor, he says, you're all finished. You you can walk out the door. And and that's over with. And and I'm saying, well, this is fine. I'm, I'm all set to go then. And uh, But he says, I bet you one thing. And I said, what is that? He says, I bet you can't come here for a year. He says, come here every week for a year. He says, at the end of one year, uh, you can do whatever you choose. You can leave or not. But he said, and the thing for me is that he was a person that was in recovery. And he had been down such a road on a 95 degree day. 
he had his feet inside an electric heater almost because he was freezing. Uh, and that is what he had done to his body with the drinking that he did. Mm. And that wasn't going away. And that's who he was. And, uh, but uh, that challenge to me was something that I said, well, I can do this. And uh, so I, I not only went there, I went to meetings. Uh, we, uh, I went there all the time for one year thinking, well, in one year it'll be over. Uh, I could make this. And, uh, and it was a fact that it appeared that he was challenging me to do this. And uh, I didn't realize at the time that every day that went by, I was getting more comfortable with who I was. Mm, wow. And I was also able to start looking at what got me to where I was. And, uh, and sometimes I think it's one of the failing points that we have at this. We don't look at the problem is not alcohol. Right. See, oh my goodness. You know, I posted, um, last week or sometime last week, I posted, um, um, uh, introduce yourself by what almost killed you. Yes. Right. And, yep. and, uh, you know, clearly I'm, I'm not, I, I'm not in the business to tell people, you know, take anybody's inventory type thing, but, but the number of people that, that said, hi, I'm, and they named the substance, you know, hi, I'm methamphetamine. Hi, I'm, you know, cocaine. Hi, I'm alcohol. Hi, I'm, and, and it's just like, oh no, honey. Hi, I'm me. I am Christine. <laughs> Christine tried to kill Christine. Just like, you know, it, and of course, you know, I'm in Texas. And so, uh, you know, just like we say here, you know, guns don't kill people. People kill people, you know, um, it's, yep. it's not, it's, it's not the alcohol in that, that took you or that took me, it took me a minute to understand that, you know, and to, to, but when you have that epiphany, that you can't unknow that, right? Yes. Once you yep. know that, there there is a mirror that tends, or at least for me, that's how it happened to me. There was a mirror that followed me around, you know, that <laughs> just reminded me, you are your problem, sister. Not and and trying to blame alcohol, you know, what is it? I've heard you spell blame by be lame, you know. <laughs> I mean, it's the alcohol was not my problem; it was a symptom. So I get yep. that. I totally get that. Well, there's so much, uh, Christina, that what what we do along the way here, and the more you see it, is that uh, people had heard about my uh, stopping drinking or the giving up drinking for Lent or whatever have you. Uh, I quit drinking probably for two weeks every time I had a car crash. Mm. Uh, and, uh, and like that, it would be the, oh, that's the end. Uh, and my lifelong uh, mission usually uh, lasted two weeks before I got back behind the wheel drunk again. Mm -hmm. And uh, and the numbers they give out to people that you you drive eighty times before you're arrested. And the numbers are ridiculous because uh, there's some people that have probably driven a few hundred times and never been arrested. Uh, and to me, my one arrest is what turned my life around. One judge that I met. Uh, but of course I never realized that my home life and my upbringing, and I, I'm looking at a family, uh, I have, uh, seven brothers and sisters, uh, and I'm saying, and I'm like in the middle of this whole thing. I'm the youngest of boys. Uh, and then I've got four sisters, an older sister and three younger ones. And 
should they have been sick of me? Without a doubt. Uh, I was, uh, and we have a habit of doing that. I became the star of everything mm. because I was always in trouble doing something. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so when this took place, I knew I had to go with something. Uh, I did not announce that I wasn't drinking. I didn't say a word to anybody. Uh, one of the few people that recognized there was something to it was my uh, former father-in-law before he passed away said that I was not the same person anymore. Oh, wow. Uh, and he realized that I had changed. Of course, he didn't realize that uh, a short time after that, um, I would divorce his daughter. But, uh, but oh, she divorced me. But, but it was a, uh, it was part of, uh, part of, I didn't want that story anymore of, uh, well, I'm going to do, uh, I've already proven to everybody that I wasn't going to do that. Right. That I was, uh, and they were tired of it. And so was I, it wasn't, it wasn't a one-sided deal. Uh, so words, words just didn't matter anymore. No. When it came it, to that. Uh, these promises that meant nothing, uh, uh, and to do it over and over, you know, and they were sick of it. And so was I. And, uh, to look at that and then turn around to give yourself time to look at these. And the part that gets you today, Christine, that we look at, and it's probably hard for people to understand, 49 years later, I'll sit in somewhere and all of a sudden I'll either hear something from someone and it's exactly something that took place in my life somewhere that I had put away. Uh so that I didn't have to face that or think about it. And, uh, and that's, it's probably one of the difficult things to do is to, to face these things that we ran away from. Uh, we spent, uh, we spent all this time. Uh, I spent 13 years, uh, burying myself and I've spent a long time now uncovering myself and, uh, and not getting back, uh, by all means, without a doubt, between the drinking and smoking, uh, I should be in a cemetery. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, without a doubt, if if that continued, uh, you can't do the drinking and the crashing that I was doing and also smoke two carts of cigarettes a week, uh, which are, uh, however they put it, it is all connected. Right. Uh, and, and it's who you are. And uh, I, I know uh, we went through a thing. Uh, I went to my doctor and she said, uh, Ed, uh, I don't know how to tell you this. She says, you haven't drank in a long time and you haven't smoked in a long time. She says, your, uh, your health, she said, uh, you're not going to die of cancer and you're probably not going to die of a heart disease. She says, but, uh, or cirrhosis, she said, uh, but she says, you're going to die from diabetes. Uh, the problem being is that, uh, somewhere along the way with all these years, I didn't, uh, understand the fact that Whatever I did habitually, I did it with everything I do. And she said to me, uh, what is it that you're eating? And I said, is it jelly donuts? And she said, it could be. She said, how many jelly donuts? I said, four. She said, a week? I said, no, a day. She said, oh. She says, do you understand who you are? She says, you, you have an issue, Ed, with things. 
She says, you do nothing, small. Everything you touch is that way. And she said, and so I have a an app on my phone that lists a number of days sober. It lists a number of days without smoking and years, because uh, now it's 42 years without smoking. Uh, and now, uh, today, it's uh, 3,386 days without a jelly donut. <laughs> Uh, but and, you're, uh, I love that you said that because it's not, you know, the the isms. I mean, it 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 doesn't go away. And if you're not, if when you and when you know that about yourself, when you know, yes. and especially when when your inner circle knows that about you, they can help kind of watch out for you. But when you know that about yourself, it's it's easier to it's easier to accept and adjust and and do something like an app where you can see you know visibly your progress and what you're doing. But it's not just mind altering substances that this you know has no, th- th- that to, this disease we, has we to play to make, into. We have to make sure we're. Uh, where our comfort is, and we don't always understand it. Uh, a few years back, uh, uh, through my present marriage and uh, my next mother-in-law, uh, when she got uh, elderly, uh, I helped build an apartment in where we were living uh, for her to come stay. And then uh, we were going to Florida, and she came. She moved in with my stepdaughter. And when we came back from Florida, uh, uh, she wanted to stay with our stepdaughter, and. Uh, she got to a point where she was uh, she had to have people around her to take care of her. So uh, we moved in uh, with my stepdaughter uh, to take care of her. And uh, so everything was going fine. And then uh, as time went on, uh, we lost her. And she. Uh, so we decided uh, my stepdaughter says, uh, I want you guys to stay. She says, why don't you sell your home? And, and we did. Uh, and we moved in and. And everything's been fine. Uh, now, this stepdaughter has been my stepdaughter. Uh, she's a, a teacher for over 20-some years, a special ed. And she said that's why she's a special ed teacher, because of me. And uh, <laughs> so she, uh, but she, uh, so I've been with her since she was five years old. And now she's 52. And uh, I came home one day and a, a closet in the kitchen as I open it up. And there's a, a whole uh, shelf where all the snacks were, uh, and they used to be potato chips and Jackson and popcorn. Everything that was so wonderful to be eaten was on that shelf. Uh, on this day, it was full of wine bottles. And uh, I said to my wife, I said, does anyone know that an alcoholic lives here? And she said, Ed, uh, she says, I think we should tell you something. She says, you're the alcoholic. If that bothers you, we have to know it. She says, because when they put it there, they didn't realize that. Uh, it was removed immediately. And, But it did show me one thing very quickly. We can't assume that other people are going to do what we need to have done. Mm-hmm. and Or that simple thing of saying, you know what? Uh, I can do this. There's not, a, I can, you can't. Uh, and I've, I've tried to make sure people understand if you have a bad feeling about something, there's a reason. And if you don't work with that principle, this fact of saying, oh, well, I can handle, 
you can't. Or stay uh, quiet. I mean, I can imagine. Yeah, it, I, I'm the same way. I can't. I can go anywhere, you know, 11 years later. I can go anywhere there's alcohol. I, you, you can have all you want. But when I go home, that's my safe place. That's my haven. Yeah. And I can't imagine Rick bringing alcohol into the house and me not saying anything. It would just it would just be something that would terror. I would terrorize me with it, you know. Yeah. Um, so, I, so, you yeah. mentioned it the other day. Uh, and I've heard it before. It's a simple fact. Uh, it's that guy that goes to a barbershop every day. He's going to get a haircut. That's right. And and uh, I've heard that a few times. And it is certainly correct. Uh, if I've watched people and and what they do, it's all part of what we have to do. And and what I find myself especially doing is that uh, after like thirty three years sober, uh, I had a brilliant idea that I would. Uh, get a hold of a local TV station and, uh, and the guy was doing these little things in between about what people do. And, uh, and I called him up and I said, uh, I've been sober for 33 years. I would like to go back and honor the judge that sent me to these programs. So, uh, and uh, so he said, uh, he called me back and, uh, we went out to see this judge. Uh, they, uh, the town that it was in was very strange with their ideas, uh, because he was no longer a judge. They wouldn't let us use the courtroom. So we had to be outside the courthouse and, uh, and we're talking with the judge, which he, he was so astounded that I was back after 33 years. Wow. Uh, what a uh, blessing for him though. Uh, and, uh, he, uh, and when I called his home and told his wife, she was beyond it. She said she couldn't even believe what this would be. And, uh, so when the newsman is interviewing the judge and he said, uh, what was it like to deal with Ed? And the judge said, I didn't know what the hell to do with him. He oh said, my Jesus, goodness. I, I knew he had a problem. He remembered he you. Said, yes. And wow. I, and he said, luckily, I had to I visited that program. That and and even the program itself, uh, when they hear that I was one of the first graduates of that program and that I'm still out here marching with him, because every every year we have a march in September for recovery and they're there representing St. Peter's Hospital. And I oh, so the, the program is still in operation. Yes. Oh, that's uh, amazing. It's, it's that's still beautiful. there and it's gotten bigger now. They have other locations. Uh, and I can tell people that it works and I can prove it works. And, that, and, I, and to look at it, that's probably one of the most important parts of it is that no matter what we do, uh, is that especially when it works and not, I, I'm afraid too often it's very simple to turn around and say, well, it worked for me, uh, but you don't tell the world that it worked for you. Uh, uh, I understand years ago that maybe you didn't want to tell people that, uh, you know what, uh, I'm a recovering alcoholic. Uh, I used to work, use the word uh, alcoholic. I have a shirt that says alcoholic on it. And the people would look at me like I lived under a bridge. Uh, and I'm saying, uh, do you have a problem with that? And so we finally had to go with the word recovery because people don't get upset with recovery. So let me, okay. So let me ask you a question just cause I'm curious because this has been a debate in a couple of the groups I'm in. So when you in, in just, again, just because I'm curious and just speaking for sure. yourself, do you consider yourself recovering or recovered with a D? Uh, I'm, re I'm actually recovered. Because, but not to the point that, you know, uh, I would personally 
rather go with the term that I'm an alcoholic uh, and live with that saying uh, you don't you don't find different names for cancer right uh, you have cancer if you're being treated for it, you still have cancer mm-hmm. if you have heart disease uh, I've I've spoke to 7,000 school kids uh, in four years and told them if I have a choice between cancer heart disease and alcoholism I'm taking alcoholism because I've proven you can do this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I, that's the one I want if I have, if, if I have an option and, uh, but, and to me, uh, fine. So what you're uh, saying is you're not cured given, given not, you know, you, I'm, not you're cured. St- I'm only cured. I'm actually, I'm only cured today. So you're taking, you're still taking it 49 years later. You're still doing this deal one day at a time. Look yeah. at that. And, uh, and I want it to stay there because it works. Well, uh, I get what you're saying. And the reason the reason that debate came up was someone had said, because I, I consider myself recovering alcoholic. Yep. I don't ever want to be cured. And, yep. and I don't, I don't want to be cured because I love this life. I love my community. Yep. I love the groups that I'm in and the, and the people that I hang out with and, and and I had someone kind of get in an argument argument with me, and you know, she was saying, "You you haven't drank in eleven years. You're you're clearly recovered." And I said, "Don't take that away from me. Don't True. take that away from me. There's I, I if you take this life, this way of life away from me, I will kill myself. I yeah. know that because I've proven it." You know, yeah. time and time again. So it's it's like I am I am recovered. You, you know, recovering, not cured. The obsession has been rem- the obsession has been removed. But I'm just as still just as much an alcoholic right now as I was 11 years ago. And the one of the winning parts for you, especially when I'm looking at it with 49 years at this business that we're in, is that you're doing more with your recovery than an awful lot of people do because keeping it to ourselves Mm-mm. is is not fair to anyone else that person that is walking down the street uh and sees you on the street and say uh why on earth would that person be that happy they don't have a clue where you came from mm-hmm. and what you've done right uh, and that part to me is why when someone said to me uh ed do you know that you're a walking billboard for recovery? Yes, thank you. <laughs> Biggest compliment ever. And uh, I said, uh, that's what I want. Uh, if I'm in that mall and that person, and I don't care if it's 24 hours, I was there. And and uh, I I pay so much attention to uh, so many people on Facebook postings uh, that have a month. Uh, I dig through the uh, coins. Uh, I take a photo of the coins and post them for them to make sure that they know that somebody out there cares about that month and how important it is to them. Well, uh, and especially so that- when they say, I only have a month and it's like, oh, honey, oh, honey, yep. don't please don't put the word only in front of your time. Yep. I don't care. Just like you said, I don't care if it's 24 hours or 24 years. Don't put only in front of it because that is a miracle. A yes, miracle. And, uh, and we lose up. Uh, we lose that sight too often sometimes is that we don't always get that uh, of what the possibilities are for us. Uh, if, uh, if we could always 
make sure that they know this is what's possible. This is the other part of this. And I want to make sure at the end of it, they know that it's still, and I try to make sure on a, on a post that it's still one day at a time, uh, no matter how many days it is, and or weeks or months or uh, in uh, sharing the story, uh, watching people let, and uh, or when someone responds to me that uh, you're, you're showing me that something's possible. And uh, that feeling at those moments are the thing that do so much for you. It's that, hope. That, it's hope. That you're doing, that, that you are sharing it and, and you're getting something. You're getting something so rich back from these people. Uh, this is priceless. These mm -hmm. things that, that we're looking at and what we did. Uh, uh, I mentioned to you the other day that uh, on May 2nd, uh, I'll be awarded uh, the Mothers Against Drivers uh, Award for uh, what I do for recovery for uh, people in our area. Uh, and I'll be the first civilian uh, to ever get this award. Wow. Usually it's a police officer uh, or someone in the court system. Uh, and uh, to have my name submitted, uh, by a deputy sheriff who, uh, and at that same day, she will receive the lifetime achievement uh, for what she does. And she's such a beautiful person. She's uh, very close to the same age as my daughter. I've worked, I've wor uh, worked with her uh, for uh, probably seven or eight years. And uh, it was so great to deal with her. Uh, he was a young lady that did not have an issue with alcohol or drugs, right? but she wanted to know everything that she could know. And, uh, and when she spoke to those kids, the longer she did it, uh, she was supposed to be a biology teacher. And at the end of her schooling, she became a policewoman. And, well, uh, I'll be. And, and she's, such a, uh, she's such a beautiful person. And uh, uh, our programs changed after COVID so that we don't have those programs with all the students anymore. But it was such a learning thing uh, to speak to kids for three hours about my recovery and and a lot of them, uh, we had index cards that we had them make out at the end of it so that we knew, were they getting anything out of the programs? And they would talk about this old man that had so many days. And uh, and we had a, a person come to speak one day. He was in recovery. He was at a Hope House. Uh, and he came to speak. And he referred to me as the person with a thousand years of recovery. Oh, my <laughs> and, goodness. Uh, and uh, But it was... Uh, and. I got to see him in Florida. He, uh, uh, I hadn't seen him in a while, and he's doing so well. These, these stories of people that are, are making it through this, and for anyone to think uh, this is not an easy trip, folks, and uh, for anyone that uh, uh, that thinks it is, it's not. Uh, uh, there's things out there and people out there, uh, and I know for the longest time. Uh, I don't know what I what I thought I was supposed to do for some people. Uh, there's some people you can't do a thing for, uh, and that's a very hard thing to learn. Uh, and sometimes they may be very close to you, uh, and that's sometimes the feeling is even worse. Mm -hmm. The fact that how could you help so many people, and then someone you really need to help that you can't do that no matter what you offer them, and uh, so it's a but all you can actually do is like anything else, just show them uh, of where you are and that you're still here and, uh, and that that door is open. And, that, and that's pretty much why I don't shut my phone off. Uh, I don't, uh, I'm not a sponsor for people. 
but I'm always here. Uh, and uh, my sponsor, uh, and people laughed at me probably at times, uh, I only have to look upward for my sponsor. Uh, he's never busy. Uh, there's no answering system or anything else. Uh, but I just go directly to that source mm -hmm. and know that it works. Mm -hmm. And I know, I know what works for me uh, by having that. As uh, with the slate I wear around my neck, there's also a cross. And and I've had people say, to me, uh, "Which is more important?" And I said, uh, "There's no which is more important. Mm -mm. Without both, mm -hmm. I would I I wouldn't have either." Right. I said, and, and I've watched people look like everything was going so well until they decided to alter the plan. Uh, everything was working for you. Why did you decide you didn't have to do this? And uh, and it to me, uh, at times in this program, uh, along the way, I've had people that I didn't know if I wanted to hug them or strangle them because uh, when I when I heard what caused them, uh, the period of COVID uh, that we went through, uh, my one of my dearest uh, relatives, uh, he had disowned me during my drinking. Uh, and it was a, a tough road, not to him. Uh, he was my older brother. And uh, he was, uh, he said, we can go to the same place, Ed, but please don't come near me when you go there. And uh, wow. so for the longest time, uh, even when I stopped drinking, I, I didn't have much contact with him. Uh, and then as time went on, uh, he came to one of the programs that I was at speaking in a, a school that I had graduated from. Uh, and uh, he came to watch the program and, and he was talking to one of the policemen that was there. And the policeman said to him, uh, your brother's quite a guy. And uh, he said, uh, he's not only my brother, he's my best friend. Oh, my goodness. And uh, and I lost him to COVID. And it's part of the issues that I look at and I've tried to explain to people. I lost seven relatives with COVID. Uh a brother, uh, a brother, uh, three sister-in-laws, uh, two nieces and a nephew. Wow. And uh, at any given time, I could have said, you know, uh, is this trip really worth it? Uh, and and of course, if I wanted a reason, it would have been ideal. Uh, and just to show you how, how wacky some of my ideas are, uh, because I live a certain way and and I don't change these things. Uh, I went into a restaurant on Friday, and of course, uh, during Lent, the, the fish uh, deal is a wonderful thing. I'm 75 years old. Uh, do I need to eat fish? I don't, you know. Uh, someone says you don't do enough, but I usually do uh, uh, eat fish. So on Friday, uh, a guy said to me, uh, I says, I don't know what am I doing on a hot dog stand. Uh, I said, one more guy. He says, I have fish fries. And the part that disturbs me a little is that... Uh, when they gave me the receipt and they gave me the receipt before I got the food. And I said to the waitress, this says it's beer batter dip. And she says, it is. I said, I can't have it. And she said, you can't. I said, no, I said, I don't eat things that are beer batter dip. Uh, I says, I don't eat anything that says beer on it. And, uh, do I disagree with Rachel Ray about cooking food out of it? I don't need it. Yeah, uh, that yeah, it, 
if that's what works for you and you can, yeah, absolutely stick to that. And I'm the, stuff, yeah, I'm the same rum cake. It's pretty, or, much, uh, mm-hmm. it's pretty much where we are. I've had people say to me, Ed, is it, uh, did you ever try O'Doul's beer? I said, why would I try O'Doul's beer? And they said, well, uh, uh, you could drink this. And I said, let me explain something to you. If I could drink, I would. <laughs> I said, I think I've proven already that I can't. <laughs> I said, why don't we, why don't we just go with that uh, instead of trying to say, I need imitation something. Right. I said, uh, and it's pretty much who I am. And I don't care whether it's mouthwash or what it is. Uh, I read the labels. Yep. Cough syrup. Uh, I'm the same. The, Ed, I'm the exact same way. Well, and now the zero alcohol beers and stuff for all the rage and it's just like why do you you know i had a friend in the in in the program um ask me you know my my take on that and he was a few months sober and i said what inside you makes you feel like you have to do that i mean is is the love of the taste of beer just that strong that you what something something i that's just my humble opinion you know to each his own um but but i I, yeah i i certainly see that and i like i said i'm the same way i haven't put cough syrup in this body in 11 years um of course you know mouthwash mouthwash is a sore subject with me um because my last my very last drunk was a sam size bottle of listerine that's how desperate i got um, so yeah, I just, I coil away from that as if it's a hot flame, you know, and I just, and I intend to do that for hopefully for the rest of my life, but we'll see. Um, but for today, I don't want anything to do with it. I don't want it in my house. I don't want it, you know, I get it. Yeah. There's, there's, there's so many things to it. And when I, when I watch people and, and how they handle different things, I had a gentleman, you know, every week I heard him, he said, uh, 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 I've had 24 years without a drink and, and fine, I heard it every week. Uh, and then one week he said, uh, I haven't had a drink since last Wednesday. And, and whether it is selfish or what it is, I look at, well, wait a minute. He had 24 and I have 40 some years. Uh, I need to know why, uh, why that happened. And his response to me was, uh, I went by a, a Coors beer billboard every day on my way to work. And that was the moment that I thought I should either strangle him or hug him. I said, uh, is that the only road on the way to work? Uh, it was not the billboard. It was himself. Right. That let, uh, if you let that happen, you, you let, have happen. let that happen. Oh. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you can't come up with a, a response and try to tell me that uh, that you actually did what you had to do. And, and some people don't get it. And uh, I've told people that whatever you do out there, make sure you're in a zone that's comfortable for you. Right. Uh, when I... Uh, I've been and it's up to you, and it's up to you to make it a safe place. It's not up yeah. to everybody else to to pander and to it, it's it's up to you to to know what's in your environment to know if you're going to a function what's going to you know what's it going to be what's it going to be like do you have your own car in case it's uncomfortable and you know you can leave are you taking care of yourself you know um that's that's just it's that's vital. one of the when you watch people, and I've talked to different ones about the bank, 
that when uh, in July, I'll be married for 45 years. And uh, when I met my wife, I said, there'll be moments if we're someplace, I may not be comfortable. Uh, if I'm not comfortable, I have to leave. Uh, and and it's always been fine. Uh, and this idea of someone saying, oh, that's okay. Uh, it's not okay. Uh, not for what we have writing on this. Right. This 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 is like, you know, this is like a thing for life. If, if people would get a hold of that part of it and tell how important it is. You know, when I've talked to people, uh, uh, fine. Uh, I'm not someone that's saying that no one can drink. I know one thing I can't. Right. Uh, and I know people go out and celebrate and do these things on holidays. But as soon as you approach them with the fact that, uh, how are you getting home? I said, you've made all these plans. You have a new gown and everything else. Uh, and you spent a fortune to do what you're doing. You don't even know how you're getting home. You don't have an out. Mm -hmm. uh, I said, uh, and you tried to explain to people, but these are the issues. And I did it to a radio personality one day. And she probably wasn't thrilled. Uh, uh, they were campaigning about something. And I asked her what she was doing for New Year's. And I said, uh, how are you getting home with no response? Uh, and that's that forward, me. that forward thinking, you know, yes. Um, yes, yes, we're, we're one day at a time, but, but a lot can happen in a day. So it's like, okay, you know, and, and that, that's one of the questions I wanted to ask you, Ed, how do you start your day every day? My, my state, as soon as I put my feet on the floor, I already know that I've been blessed Amen. with the fact that. Uh, this is the start of another day. Uh, and because this idea of, of people talking about what they're going to do down the uh, it's not down the road. I had to get up this morning and put my feet on the floor and thank God that uh, I'm on this journey uh, that that put me this journey uh, because uh, I have had an opportunity to learn and meet so many people out there that uh, nowhere's in life. Uh, I went to Dale Carnegie once because they said I had an issue about speaking in public. And my wife, my wife says, how on earth can anyone say that you have a problem speaking in public? <laughs> uh, and I've been everywhere. I marched with Cesar Chavez years ago uh, in the great boycott in New York City. Uh, I've been in uh, picket lines. Uh, I, I've been in coal mines where uh, they were the miners were on strike over benefits. Uh, I've there are so many different things in this life I've had a chance to do. Uh, it's unbelievable. And uh, and the different things that come, you know, uh, I've been awarded from the sheriff's office about volunteers of the year. And, and even a race car organization uh, two years ago uh, gave me a humanitarian award. And uh, I was in Florida and my son accepted it. And when they got up to speak, it wasn't about racing. What it was about is that I worked with the court system at home in Albany. I also worked with the court system in Florida while on vacation. And they announced that at that banquet. Mm. I was more proud of that moment. In the first place, that my son was there to right. accept this award. Uh, he was also the one that I could have killed in a car accident. Uh, and to look at that, uh, all those things, the benefits alone that we have uh, are so unbelievable. And that, that's why, in the first place, it is so great to talk with you and watching you on this mission of spreading that word to people. Because 
uh, uh, 50 years ago, <laughs> I got news here. Uh, people looked at like, like it was something wrong with it. Right. And, they, and the first mm-hmm. thing they would tell you, uh, no one made you drink. Outcast. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, and you never knew uh, how the, what the next strange thing would be from these people. And uh, so looking at today, uh, it has come so far. It, not far enough, but it's come so far. I agree. But it's a we've no, we've got a, we've got to you know, and that's that's one of the things Ed, Ed that I you know in in doing this little venture, which again you know, I, I'm I'm a mortgage banker, honey. I'm I'm not a, a a podcast, but I'd never even listened to a podcast before I started this thing, and <laughs> and God just put it in in front of me and 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 just on my heart that um, people need hope. You know, people need hope. They need to hear that. That you know, if you if you have a problem, there is hope. There you don't have to live like this. You know, so so I'll we're coming to an end of, of our time. I want to ask you. So so let's say that 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 person that needs that hope is listening, and they and they hear that you have this amount of time sober, and and which you know you just that is such a mountain when you're just at the bottom of it that you can never imagine, you know, a, a, attaining or, or climbing. What would you say to that person that's, that's ready to just end it all? What, one of the first things I would look at is that you are not going to make this journey overnight. Uh, you didn't get to where you are uh, overnight. And sometimes we lose so much sight of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is that single step to get yourself out there to get that help that you need and finding a location that's comfortable for you and that you feel comfortable with. And uh, because there are so many people today that can be there to help you. Talk that to have been, someone. That, that have been down that road. And that's the part you need to be able to be in contact with a person that has seen this and has lived it because one of I have a major issue with places that say, oh, here's a great counselor here. They don't know what I lived. Right. Yep. And they, uh, and to me, uh, school, I wish school can't counselor, teach that school yep. cannot teach that. I wish that you would have a counselor and a person in recovery next to the counselor mm-hmm. so that the responses could be screened through two people, not right. one. Absolutely. Uh, and to me, uh, uh, and I do know one thing, and for the fact that anyone that's out there, I if this is the tenth time you've tried, try eleven, right? Uh, because it is that important that it's it's that important. And I know for the longest time I used to have an issue with it. It's that more important because of you. Uh, this is that point in life that you have to be selfish enough to say the most important person in this picture is you, Amen. not. Not anybody around you. This is not a world of helping the whole world. We want you to help yourself. Right. And some, sometimes we overlook that with that. Oh, we're going to help everyone. Well, mm-hmm. we are not helping everyone if we can't help ourselves. Right. Well, and, and that analogy that they give us, you know, when you're on an airplane and, and the oxygen mask comes down, you know, what's the yep. first thing you're supposed to do? You know, you put yep. it on yourself. You put it on yourself before you put it on your child, before you put it on your spouse, before you put it on the person across the aisle. You because if you if you don't save yourself, you're no good to anybody else. 
you know, so, yeah. so you're right. It, There's, yeah, it's, it a, it's a different kind of, yeah, it's yeah. a different kind of selfish that you have to be, you know, to, to try to help save your own life. But everybody knows someone that is affected by this disease. Everybody knows someone. Talk that's to the part someone. That so many people don't want to comprehend. It does. Yep. And when you ask a person, does it affect you? Well, take a look around. In the program that we had, we used to have 600 pairs of shoes. And the purpose of it was to say these number of people that died in car accidents uh, from alcohol related uh, mm. in one year in New York State. And what we asked the people in the room, how many people did it affect? Uh, oh, the wow. thousands of people that either brothers, sisters, mothers, fathers, aunts, uncles, grandparents. Uh, and we don't always look at that. Uh, for some people, the sadness of the fact that you've went to a funeral, but then I've stood next to mothers that have lost that child. Uh, when you're talking about 10 years later and someone's foolish enough to walk up to this mother and say, well, when are you going to get over this? Oh dear. Uh, uh, and those statements are frightening. And of course, even with all the years I have, when that mother who lost her child 10 years ago to a drunk driver puts her arm around me to say she's proud of me, I could bust out crying with the fact that uh, it but is for the hard grace to of God. <laughs> uh, and uh, and uh, and I I hear from some of these people that and the stuff they've been through. Uh, when I watch a woman stand up and speak at a victim impact panel, she had uh, she had lost her leg. She said, uh, "I have a life sentence," and the other person that did this is getting out of jail soon. Uh, those. Those issues, uh, when you look at it, it's so very different. Now, she's had 19 prosthetic legs uh, that don't work, and mm -hmm. she has phantom pain that uh, for a leg that's not there. So uh, uh, so it, there's just so many different things out there. But uh, but we, I think we can always do better. Uh, I think we're doing so much better today mm -hmm. than what we once were. And and I, I, I think it was one of those things that all of a sudden, people are speaking i love it uh, and, and letting people and, and that's why when i heard this and that you were doing this uh to me it is so very important because i've heard from people that uh, uh a year after i i met with them over over anything all of a sudden they will say to me uh when you handed me a coin with a serenity prayer on it i didn't know what you gave it to me for and then they're saying a year later uh I've been sober for one year. And, wow. Uh, and uh, those those moments are the moments that that it's working. Yeah. And, uh, and and it can work. It and, uh, matters. And that's why uh, you know anything we can do out there to let people know that this is what it is and this mm -hmm. is the life you can have. Uh, my my Easter yesterday was the best possible Easter I could have. Uh, I don't have a crashed car in the driveway. Uh, that was one of the biggest benefits probably I ever saw <laughs> is that when the holiday is over now, I still have a car. You can remember uh, it. And yeah, and family does not mad at you. And it's a, it's a beautiful life. Well, I, I, for one, am so grateful that you're sober. And I'm so grateful that God put you in my path um, to, to get to meet you and talk to you and hear your wisdom. And, and I just love that you're a warrior for, for recovery. And um, 
you know, I, I think that God is going to continue to use you until he calls you home. And, and I'm so, I'm so happy about that. Well, next year with that, when we get to Valentine's day and it's 50 years, uh, I will, uh, I'm, I'm trying to even figure some people are saying to me, uh, how on earth do you celebrate? We need to have uh, a party. I can golly, yeah. let give me a heads up, man. Rick and I'll jump on so, a plane and I'd love to come to so that party. Stuff. And, uh, and I tell you, uh, I appreciate so much what you're doing. Thank you. Uh, this is uh, the effort that you're putting into this. And and I do know uh, we got to meet on Facebook. Uh, I, I would hope that people understand, like anything in the world out there, there is good and bad of something. And But to me, the benefit uh, is that important that oh, you have contact. 100%. Uh, people that are looking for that bit of hope, uh, it's there. And and that's about the only I want to make sure that uh, there is hope there. There and, is, uh, it, and it's that it's that important. This issue is that important. This is uh, this is your life, you know. Uh, and I just want you to have a better life, and that uh, and that's all we can go with. And uh, for someone that uh, you know that looked at this at twenty six, and now I'm seventy five. I don't I don't even know what. You don't, don't know, know how that happened. Happen. You don't know how that happened. Well, Ed, God bless you. Thank you so much for joining me, um, and I hope to maybe have you on some other time. Yeah, certainly anytime, and I appreciate all that you do. And uh, this is uh, this is a big deal for people. And, it is uh, a big deal, and uh, we just like to make the world know that uh, this does work, and uh, and this is the other side of it. And Amen. I, you know, Amen. But, uh, thank you, Ed. But we've been blessed, uh, and thank you very much for everything. My pleasure. My pleasure. Have a blessed day, sir. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Bye bye now. Thanks for listening to Purpose Driven Sobriety. Keep coming back.